Hello, friends. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of For the Love of Sports with Aaron Eisman. Um, Aaron is a uh, friend of mine. We've been we've known each other for a little over a year now. We've we've been staying in contact, staying in touch, and it's been a lot of fun just to see and hear some of the things he's been going through um, and some of the places that he's gotten to work. Aaron do, has a digital consulting firm, Eisman Digital Consulting, where he helps athletes, he helps agencies, he helps properties with their social media, what they do and how to do it. Aaron has been working in social media as far as back as the Turner Sports days, where he was essentially on the ground floor of one of the most, um, let's say it, revolutionary social media teams um, out in sports. So he's worked at Turner Sports, he's worked at Bleacher Report, he ran the NFL Network social accounts for an entire year. So the guy knows what he's doing. So we're very excited. This conversation was awesome. Getting to hear about him moving all over the country, speaking with all these different athletes and different personalities is a lot of fun. So I really hope you guys enjoy this conversation with Aaron. Sorry, sorry, mom, but it's, uh, it's uh, you know, it was so tough on the on the scantrons, and it's easy to just be Eisman now. Yes, Aaron Eisman, I appreciate you hanging out with me today, man. Yes, it's uh, sorry, mom. I could I could get that. I can get behind that. Yeah. Um, but hey, man, it is what it is. If that's what we're rolling with, I actually so I did a podcast a couple months ago with a girl who she's a Canadian snowboarder. So on the other show that I have, our athletes, she wow. um. Uh, her and I were just chatting beforehand as you and I were just doing and she I was like I don't know how to say your last name uh can you can you say it for me and she it she said it um it's spelled Justin in like J-U-S-T-E-N or something like that and I was like oh that's cool she's like well yeah it's 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 from like Norway or like Scandinavia I can't remember she's like it's Ustinen mm-hmm. and I was like oh cool do you want to roll with Ustinen. that and she's like she's like yeah so now she goes by Ustinen because we did a really cool podcast together so I'm not looking That's to change cool. your name, Aaron. I'm not looking to change oh, your name. No, but. <laughs> no, I appreciate it. Yeah. I, Good I stuff. I have a whole sports background where they call me by my last name. Yeah, uh, yeah. I can was, see that. Yeah, I was like uh, hoping I was going to try to be the Jewish Larry Bird one day, but I, I couldn't get past 5'10". Ah, uh, yeah, good. that's kind of a drag, man, but you are where you are now, and that's the important part, and we're going to take all the advantage yeah. in the world of it. So, Aaron, again, thank you exactly. so much for hanging out with me. Um, other than how to say someone's last name, the other question I usually ask them is the love of sports. Where does that come from for you, and why did you decide to take this crazy journey into this world um, that we all love so much? But no, it's a very difficult mm-hmm. place to navigate. Yeah, um, so I think a lot of the passion comes from I have an older brother and a, and a father who um, we just love talking about sports. We love watching sports. We love going to sporting events. Um, we, you know, it, it was like our big hobby. Um, you know, I think it was our way to bond and connect. We we would go to Dodgers games growing up. Uh, they used to have this deal back in the day. I still remember it was like four tickets, four hot dogs, and four drinks for $44. Whoa. And we, and it was it's a great deal because now you can't get away with forty four dollars at any Dodgers game. I was gonna say um, it's probably a hundred bucks a person now. I was gonna say parking's probably like forty bucks, right? <laughs> parking is like twenty five thirty right now, exactly. Yep. Yeah. So, um, so that was going to Dodgers games. Um, actually, more of a Clippers fan. My brother 
consider them kind of like the lovable losers. And I kind of hopped on, mm-hmm. you know, the, the days where they had Elton Brand, Keon Dooling and Darius Miles, they were kind of, you know, like I said, they were, they were a fun team to watch, but they would lose a lot. They would, yeah. <laughs> they'd score, they'd score 110 and the other team would score 130. Um, but the passion for that started there. Um, I would say, uh, and going to sports camps growing up, playing in, playing in um, basketball, uh, mm-hmm. football, baseball, the traditional sports growing up. Um, it just engaged my passion. Uh, and then finally, I think I, I was watching John Elway. That's uh, how I evolved from an L.A. Broncos fan uh, because I was watching John Elway. He had like the blondish long hair. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In the late 90s when I started watching football, he was, really, he was amazing. And that was my first football game as was watching him play. So I uh, became a Broncos fan there. But, yeah, I, I've been a fan of the traditional sports since the late 90s. And um, and then wanting to stay involved professionally with it, it was, um, it, if I can't play sports and the, and my brother, I remember telling me there's like a 0. 0.000 something percent chance of playing professionally. Um, yeah, but I want to stay involved somehow. Um, went to Indiana university, got a sports journalism degree, wrote for the newspaper every semester while I was there. Um, and just keep engaging my passion of sports. And then uh, eventually got into sports social media, which wasn't really a thing in 2013, 2014. Mm-hmm. Started to a thing more 2015, um, and I can obviously go into that later. But yeah. it's um, it started with a passion for sports. Somehow I wanted to work in it, and somehow one way or another, I've just gotten great opportunities um, and been blessed for those great opportunities uh, so far. Yeah, man. Blessed, but also well-deserved. I know you're a hardworking guy. And again, that's another reason why I wanted to make sure to have you on. Um, and I think it's always really interesting. One people, one thing, I mean, I said it growing up, like I wanted to work in sports. Yeah. I don't know what I wanted to do, but I know I wanted, if there's an opportunity for me yeah. to talk about baseball instead of stocks or, or football <laughs> instead of some consumer package, good, you know, I, I would much rather be doing anything as long as there was a sports filter or sports background because that most likely means I'm surrounded by people that love the same thing as me which is always nice to have right but when when you wanted to work in sports I mean as you said you got a sports journalism degree if I'm not mistaken uh you wrote for the you were uh at least on your LinkedIn it said you were a beat writer I I like that I like that a lot I I love it I love it I'm all for it man um I mean, those are the old days, right? Be right now. I'm kidding. They still exist, yeah. but it's a whole new uh, going into the social media aspect again. We'll get there. But was, was there ever anything like, it sounds like at least in college, you were going kind of that journalism route a little bit, or at mm-hmm. least now we're, we're going to call it a content route. What, um, w- before that, or, or was that kind of just, Hey, I'm good at writing. Let me do this. Or was there a specific drive behind wanting to do and take that route knowing that it's, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, exactly. So um, growing up, probably sixth, seventh grade on, I would read the LA Times, the sports section, the Bill Dwyer's, TJ Simers, Bill Plaschke's of the world. Um, and I'd read these guys. I would, uh, they would have on NFL Sunday, they'd have all the helmets. I'd circle who would win, who I wanted to win, um, you know, kind of before pre-sports betting days. Mm-hmm. Uh, have fun, have fun with my, my, my brother and, and, you know, pick out who was going to win those games. Same thing with college football. I would do that as well. Um, you know, growing up in the USC heydays, the yeah. Reggie Bushes and Matt Leonard to the world, that was always exciting. But I wanted, um, because I liked the LA Times so much and learning how to write, I wanted to keep that part of going. I, I did a little bit of journalism in high school. We had a sports section that probably printed once a month, and uh, I would do a story about the baseball team, soccer team, swimming, whatever it was, a small magnet school that I went to. But I wanted to keep that up. And when I went to Indiana, it was 
one of the top 10, 20 uh, print journalism schools, uh, writing schools, and I wanted to learn how to write. I want to take those hard journalism classes, learn AP style, grammar, uh, punctuation, all that stuff. Um, and I wanted to make, make a menial amount of money, but I made some money uh, doing sports writing. Um, when I walked on campus, most people don't get a beat uh, their first uh, semester, but I was happy to land this sport called field hockey. <laughs> and I didn't know what field hockey was. I had no idea um, what it was, how they play it. I, someone, I think the coach said it was soccer mixed with hockey. Um, and, and then I went, I go to practices and I watch these girls play and it was, it's a fun sport to learn. Um, really cool. And so I, I started with that. I'd write cool feature stories. Um, a beat, you're kind of, you're writing the game reports, pre-game, post-game type of stuff. And then you're going into uh, these feature stories. We had, we had a, we had a girl uh, who won the Rhodes scholarship and that was like a big, big deal. Wow. Yeah. That's no incredible. One, no one won it in Indiana University history since the seventies. So for her to win 50, 40, 50 years later um, was a big deal. A lot of the girls had um, amazing GPAs and would study crazy things and would travel a lot for the sport. And um, I wanted, I loved writing that stuff. I, I grew up reading Sports Illustrated for kids and Sports mm-hmm. Illustrated. So I love those behind the stats kind of type yeah. of stories. And I get to learn how to write those in Indiana. I'm really grateful for, you know, it, it, I, would, I must have wrote, you know, about 50, 60 stories a semester. Wow. And blog posts on top of that, mm-hmm. um, which blogging was just starting out. And, uh, yeah, right. Um, exactly. It was before tweeting. Uh, it'll date myself, but it was live blogging and like chatting with the fans, so, so to speak, before I even read it was a big deal. Um, so I was doing that, um, you know, 2009 to 2013 when I went to school and, um, and, and obviously I saw sort of the decline of print journalism and the, the incline, I guess you would say, of, of social media, of, of a lot of that stuff, like mm-hmm. posting and, and um connecting with fans and breaking news and all that stuff so now it's it's amazing to see where my career transitioned from journalism to more social media but it's opened up a lot of doors for me making that uh move and decision for myself Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i think it's it's really cool the advantages that you took um that you were given i mean not given earned uh you worked very hard as i said and and, you know you you deserve it and you uh everybody's dealt a hand of cards and you know it's just how you play them you can bluff you can you can put down the right card you can do the wrong ones um you know so there's a lot of different opportunities along the way Mm -hmm. yeah so i saw people that were graduating um you know 2011 2012 2013 they, some, you know, with journalism degrees went into the small town newspaper. Uh, I always considered it as, no offense, Arkansas, but I considered it me as me covering Arkansas gymnastics on a Friday night. And would I like to do that? Would I be passionate about mm-hmm. eventually 10, 20 years down the road getting to an LA Times or USA Today, um, which takes time, you know, it's, you yeah. don't just walk in the door at those places. You build up your credits and you learn how to get the you know, your bad writing out, out of the way. Um, and I saw people get out of journalism altogether, go to law, go to uh, PR, go to other places where there was more jobs. And then, you know, I saw some people just go right to the, try to go to the ESPNs and Sports Illustrated and start in the coffee rooms and, and mm-hmm. the, you know, editing bays and all that type of stuff. And so um, I, I, I didn't know social media really existed as a job. And, um, and uh, I don't think back then you know, anybody knew. Right. I don't think back then anyone no, knew it was, social media it was really PR, was a job. 
it was the PR and marketing people kind of running it in 2012, 2013. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll go into a little bit more, but I was like a, me and nine, me and eight others were the first to even do sports social media for Turner Sports in, in 2015 or 2014. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't even a thing. They, they took a risk. They hired nine of us, all recent college graduates, and um, it started to turn into a thing. But uh, for the most part, um, no, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was not as something that you, we, we would profit off of because were the advertisers on social media in 2012, 2013, not really. Um, and would it sell more tickets in the, in the, in the, in the teams? Not really. Um, so back then there wasn't much of an advantage to social media and people are still having a dilemma of how big my team could be in social media. But, mm -hmm. um, but for the most part, it's, it's, an exciting career path for myself and and an opportunity where i'm grateful for the people that have taught me you know how to do a 140 character tweet how to make a graphic design how to do various things to cover sports in a in a cool fashion and i've grown a lot with with the the coverage and the, the mistakes i've had and the, and the opportunities that i've been given so it's, mm -hmm. it's been all great opportunities um all the way for me yeah man i think it's so cool again i definitely want to get to the i mean you essentially i mean who in in corporations in some of these bigger brands i mean turner and like especially like nba on tnt is like mm -hmm. kind of looked at as one of i guess a a pioneer but also like has some of the best social media from that aspect you know a non-person mm -hmm. um from one of these bigger brands it's it's normally at least in the sports world from what i've gathered it's looked at in that light mm -hmm. so it's awesome that you were a part of the team that laid the foundation one thing i do want to i want to hop back to uh, journalism just for a second just kind of fill your information mm -hmm. on it you know as you said you saw a lot of people either exit the industry or, or go in different different routes and all those things how have you mm -hmm. i don't know how much you still pay attention to it but i think it's really interesting how journalism has gone from okay you know we're, we're writing newspaper articles we're writing blog posts um mm -hmm. then oh no one's really reading these so everything has to be free and then we have to just clutter this entire page so of an entire yeah. page you see about like one third of it and the rest is just ads and pop-ups everywhere and now it's kind of coming back full circle to like the athletic model where it's like just give us three dollars a month like that's all we need and you don't have to see an advertising advertisement again exactly. have you paid attention too much to that evolution of i mean because that happened very quickly i mean what since like oh yeah seven ish i think is when like on maybe probably a little mm -hmm. before that but like in the last 20 years it's gone through this incredible revolution like i don't know if you you pay attention too much to that anymore if that's the space you you care about because you came up there but what what are your thoughts on something like that and understanding like people would rather pay three dollars a month to get a just premium content but also just the friggin' advertisements just get them off my screen i can't deal with that shit anymore yeah exactly i think that's been a part of it um you know the journalism industry where to make money advertisers are um you know dropping away from the online ad revenue maybe going towards um you know a, a fan page or a blog page or or, or switching into woge and shams and all yep. these guys and mm -hmm. how, how we can make money off of these guys um but obviously the the, the transition from you know we got to make money we got to put ads on the page. We got to do subscription revenue. Um, we got to survive. I, I remember through college, a lot of people were saying we would do, it would go from seven days a week of a newspaper printing it. And it costs a lot of money, obviously, to print the newspaper and to get the advertisements um, to we, we, we do uh, three times a week or we do a Sunday subscription. But all of our stuff is online. Mm -hmm. So it changed, the model changed in terms of, you know, a hundred, two hundred years of 
uh, you know, journalism, the Martin Luther printing press days, well, I mean, a long, long time ago, you know, and uh, to, to where it is now, to where it's tough to make money off the printed copy. Obviously, the baby boomers, the other older generations, they love having a piece of copy in your hand. And I was probably one of the last generations that loved, you know, reading something hard copy. Um, but now I've seen like my, my interest, my pay, paying is going towards the athletic or ESPN insider or these places where you pay, a, a, you know, one coffee a month basically for premium content. And they try to keep you engaged with newsletters and making profit off of newsletters was not a thing, you know, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now it is uh, making money off of podcasting and, and micro blogging or blogging itself. Um, so it's all, you know, it's all changed um to where um you know it's it's kind of going through the scraps and finding out what works well for the industry and it's obviously changed over time and it continually will change i think um but it's exciting to see you know this engagement of content being a thing because content mm-hmm. wasn't a thing the content wasn't a thing i was taught in college it was there's writing yep there's radio there's tv those are those are your main avenues of revenue for journalism industry and now there's tweeting there's there's blogging there's podcasting there's um there's all forms of different uh, types mm-hmm. of content graphic design and video editing and um i've learned a lot over the years but it's it's completely changed and evolving and social media will change and evolve with it um i can't tell you how many platforms i use when it was 2015, 2014, 2015, versus now later on and the consumption changes, the habits change of, of the audience and advertisers, um, content providers need to change with it. Um, and they need to evolve too, because um, I can't tell you how much uh, the TV industry thought they were so solid in 2014, 2015, when I was at Turner Sports and selling advertising and people aren't gonna go away from cable, but look at it now and there's Mm -hmm. apple tv roku there's youtube tv all these streaming services so things will constantly evolve and change as media changes and you got to roll with the punches or else you you know go out of business or turn into just online subscription or or just change because Mm -hmm. um the audience changes the consumption changes so should the the media providers change as well Absolutely. And I think, you know, as you were saying, like with journalism, like there used to be those three main buckets, TV, radio, print, and now, you know, most of those buckets have then expanded. You have TV, but now you also have YouTube and you also have these other online platforms Mm -hmm. that you can post things on soon. You had radio, but now you have the opportunity to do on-demand radio with podcasts you know, especially with Anchor making it very easy to just do something right from your phone and get that out. Um, you know, mm-hmm. the, the speed in which that's expected now is significantly yeah. more. And then obviously print, as you said, well, there's print, but mm-hmm. most of it now is more digital, uh, you know, blogging, microblogging, social media. Um, yeah. And I think all of that encompassed, you know, obviously everybody has to know what they're best at. Me personally, I'm not a good writer. Um, as you went yeah. to school for it, I'm a terrible writer, but man, I can talk to anyone about anything, put a microphone in front of me, and hopefully we have a great conversation like we're currently having. And you have to know who you are, but at the same time, you can't completely ignore those other ones because there's still people mm-hmm. out there that like those types of things. So it's definitely an interesting space, and now I don't consider myself a journalist, um, but I mean, this is a lot of fun, and I want to keep doing it, so maybe I have to figure out yeah. ways to pretend that I'm a journalist, right? But um, yeah. <laughs> it's, definitely, it's definitely very interesting, um, to say the least. So with Starting out, you're, you're, um, you're, again, the, the way you started, obviously, being a uh, beat writer, being a com- columnist at, in, in mm-hmm. school at a, a very notable school for journalism. And then was your first job right out of the gate for Turner? 
So first job uh, was, um, you know, in a startup uh, called Movily at the time. Uh, it was trying to, you know, the owner, I think, wasn't the biggest sports person, but he was trying to be a person that um, would kind of do the, the Reddit days and have mm -hmm. have its own. So it's supposed to be sports social media. There was probably four of us in a room of this size. Um, we, we would in New York City, my first job, which was great to come out here and um, learn the hustle and the grind of New York City. Um, being born, raised in L.A., uh, it's totally different. East mm -hmm. West Coast. Um, but it was it was a job where I was kind of um, we'd have these game walls for each game, NFL, NBA, NHL, college sports. Um, and we'd, we'd let fans kind of almost talk through those pages um, as a game wall, you know, commenting, saying, uh, great throw, blah, 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 mm -hmm. putting up, you know, gifs, gifs, whatever you call them. Um, and, and obviously, uh, you know, doing that was, I was kind of the moderator slash I'd write blogs. I'd go to, I'd go to sporting events sometimes with it um, to show uh, our, our commitment to sports. Um, and, the, I think although that, that startup ended up failing a couple of years later, it was a good experience to get me out here in New York City. And then after that, um, my second job out of college was with Turner Sports. Um, you know, I think maybe like, uh, you know, I think two, 3,000 people applied for nine jobs with Turner Sports wow. this year. And I was lucky enough to get, to get one of them. And me and three, there was, there would be, um, you know, three, three, three editors, three, uh, two graphic designers, and three people on analytics and trends, and um, or four people on analytics and trends, and um, we would all kind of, uh, we we're all recent college graduates, and I was lucky to get that position, and I packed my bags, moved to Atlanta, you know, and and did a 11-month contract there. So it was, it was a really, I didn't know what sports social media was a thing. I just got a Twitter page. I mean, I got it in 2009, 2010, I think. Um, and then by 2014, I have a job in sports social media and, and, uh, a job covering, you know, the NBA on TNT days, the, you know, amazing, probably the, you know, I'm biased, but the best show in sports. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, and obviously also covering NBA TV, which is the hardcore NBA fans that love to watch games, love stats, that love, uh, these other guys, the Grand Hills, Isaiah Thomas's and, uh, you know all these guys the, that played the game as well. Um, and so, yeah, that, I mean, uh, the first job was, was this Mobley, this small startup. I met in New York City, and then uh, I, I packed my two bags in New York City. I furnished an apartment, and I said goodbye after the month-to-month -month lease and, and or month-to-month -month rent, and, and I moved to Atlanta on a whim. And, and uh, you know, I knew maybe one person in the whole city, but I was like, I'm here for the job. I'm here to work. Mm -hmm. I'm here to learn. And uh, here to grind and and uh, I went wherever the job was and and luckily it, it, it helped me pay off in the long run because one job has led to the next after yep. after that which has been really helpful. Absolutely no, and I think it's incredible. I mean, personally, I would not have been able to do something like that. I mean, going from first off, going from LA to Indiana. I mean, I yeah. I don't know what you were thinking there, but you have to do yeah. what you got to do, man. Oh, no, I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, coming to New York, greatest city on earth. I've only been to a few, yeah. but I've never been one quite like New York. Um, and then understanding that, especially in the sports industry and anybody out there listening, younger people, even older people, if you don't have the ability or if you are not interested in moving around to keep a job or to get another job to move up, it's a very dif difficult industry to get through. Um, you know, that's mm -hmm. all I've been told my entire life 
in the sports industry. Thankfully, I just started my own business, so I didn't have to move too, yeah. too far. But I've done a lot of things, worked for a lot of people all over the country. Yeah. Um, it's definitely something where I've found that that is a necessity. Um, so social media and sports. I, uh, so the first time I ever knew what Twitter was, um, I think I like heard about it but didn't care about it. Mm-hmm. And then the first time it actually, like, I, I don't know, quote, unquote, affected my life, um, I was with some friends. And somebody had it, and they were looking at it, and they're like, oh, my gosh, guys, Michael Jackson mm-hmm. just died. We're like, what? Yeah. And mm-hmm. I don't remember who it was. I think it was uh, Perez Hilton. Um, that guy who's mm-hmm. like on E or, you know, a celebrity yeah. dancer kind of guy. And uh, she, she was like, yeah, I've, I'm following Perez Hilton. And he just said, breaking news, Michael Jackson died. And I was like, oh my gosh, like that's crazy. And that's like the first yeah. time I remember it having any impact whatsoever. Because I don't know if you remember, um, I think sometime last year, uh, somebody, and it might've been uh, NBA on TNT, TNT, whatever uh, yeah. exactly it is. They might've just dug up some like first tweets by some of these basketball stars. And yeah. it's ridiculous. Like Steph Curry was like, Hey guys, I'm about to go to PF Chang's. It's just like, what? Like, exactly. look at, it's like looking at it now and like what it used to be. Twitter essentially was just like, I'm doing this. It's like, Oh, okay. Cool. Yep. Sounds good, man. Now it's become a much more engaging platform and there's a lot more you can do with it. I think as we understood what it was and kind of like the, the changes over time kind of and looking at it more as like a micro blog as it's supposed yeah. to be rather than just like an update periodically, kind of like what those Facebook updates mm-hmm. used to be back in, in high school. Cause you and I pretty much yeah. are the, the same, same class and, and understanding yeah. like that's, what those used to be and, and now kind of what it's become, I think is really interesting. So, I mean, starting out and essentially being on the ground floor of, as I was saying before, one of the most forward thinking, at least of the um, sports brands, social media wise, I mean, obviously they, they saw a need for it because they, brought nine people in i mean that's not a small undertaking yeah, it doesn't happen no yeah, yeah like you don't just bring in nine people and be like all right guys so what was it like being on the ground floor of, of really and i know now like some of the stuff is far reaching but on the ground floor building a foundation of something that has become so huge and so unbelievably big yeah you know i think i think to start um we were millennials we were seen as like the young intern although we're getting paid full-time salary we were kind yeah. of yeah. Uh, super interns, I think they called us. And, you know, we were all new to, to learning about TV and the industry. Um, it was, it was really, it was really a cool thing because Turner Sports was, I think, really um, pro just trying things out, doing cool things, letting us have our own ideas. Um, you know, very pro, like, although we were, you know, entry level, basically people, they would let us do what we wanted, try out things. Um, at the end of the day, I think people get so uh, content focused about, um, am I doing the right thing? Is this going to affect my audience? You know, at the end of the day, it's, it's free to post. It's free to do a tweet. I probably had, you know, two, three hundred bad tweets, you know, in the starting days. Um, but but it's, you know, it's 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 been it was a good opportunity to turn to sports. Where we had. Uh, Morgan Dewan and, and Tracy Weisenberg. Morgan was a um, you know the director at time, and now she's running all of social and digital for for all of Turner, not just Turner Sports. Mm-hmm. And so she you know let us have our freedom uh, on the internet. And you know obviously um, you know there were mistakes I made, there were misspells, there were um, you know there was tweets that I did at one two a.m. while the NBA on TNT, I missed things on the program that I should have been posting. Um, there were stuff, I, I have all sorts of stories and stuff from those days, but 
what was good about it is it was just constantly posting. Twitter was big for us, uh, you know, and I got a Twitter account in 2009 because a teacher said to us, you all need to get one. And this is 400 students that no one had one really. Um, and The teacher was very so, right. The teacher was exactly. very, very right. He was right. It's microblogging. You all mm-hmm. need to get one. I always remember that moment in that class because 20 people raised their hand out of 400 uh, that had Twitter accounts at the time. Um, but Facebook, Twitter was big for us. Vine was big. Instagram was starting to be a thing, mm-hmm. I mean, but it wasn't a big deal for social media. It was, you know, at the time I thought it was like, take a picture of a trash can, put a cool filter on it and call it hashtag urban art. Yep. That's what I thought 100%. Instagram was. Yep. You know, it's it, like it was photography. It was cool. It was adding filters, but it wasn't like what it is today where it's like very visual focused, very high end content goes there. Um, so those were big for us. I, luckily, I've worked for two of the three uh, sports public publishers that have hit a billion loops on Vine. Uh, and now, obviously, Vine's dead. But it, I can always say I worked for two of the three of them. The third one was NBA, but I never got to work for the NBA. But Bleach Report and Turner Sports, um, you get this fancy champagne bottle. And Vine was big for us back in the day. A dunk video was huge. Mm-hmm. Um, that would just loop over and over. I, I find these. Um, you know, if you were really into sports or NBA, you knew this guy named Vinny Viner that was like a big deal. He would watch the random and, you know, obscure games like the Bobcats versus the Bulls or something like that back in the day. And he would find cool videos from it or inside the huddle table stuff. And I would watch what these guys are doing because it's tough. Um, I'd be the only person on that night and there'd be 12 games going on or 14 games going on or whatever, or, or, you know, just the TNT game. Um, and you'd have to like, hyper focusly watch the game, look for highlights, cut it on snappy TV, post it as quickly as possible before anyone else does it, post it on Vine, then share it to Twitter, things like that, um, post it to Instagram or Facebook. Um, and it was constantly hyper-focused in watching the games, consuming the content. Um, and then when, um, you know, it was nice we had a graphic designer next to us um, and they were great at like, I need a graphic. I need, this guy just went off for 40 points. We need to, we need to get a cool graphic going. And they would start making it and um perfectly you know post it right after the game was going on um and you know it was it it was it was it was nba twitter was just starting then i think nba vine was a thing maybe not a thing but it was a thing to me um and nba twitter started to be a thing and um and this consumption of watching a game but posting about it like the two screen mm-hmm. two screen experience was was not a thing growing up you'd watch a game live unless you had TiVo which I had TiVo later on Ooh, t- this guy watch out well, no I'm kidding so so yeah I mean we we were ahead of the curve we had Netflix when it was one uh one uh, one DVD you'd, you'd mail it back the love DVDs. it yep I, I was my parents were on TiVo uh we've been a fan of of Apple since the mid 90s I think um and so we were always ahead of the curve on that stuff but it was when you watch it, you sit down and watch it. Or, you know, my mm-hmm. grandfather would, would say, you um, you know, he'd sit down and listen to Vin Scully tell the game, tell oh, the story. And put I love Vin Scully. The game. I love yeah, Vin he's Scully. Amazing. So I grew up on these guys. And um, they obviously grew my passion in sports. But moving, moving on to Turner Sports, it was, you know, these personalities were amazing. And some, I, I get to meet at these production meetings as a 23-year-old. It's, it's, it's amazing to... See, you know, Isaiah mm-hmm. Thomas, I always remember when he said, 
you want to see how, how tall Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was? And he gets on the table in the production meeting and said, this <laughs> is how tall he was. <laughs> and That's good. You know, stuff like that. Um, cool stories, uh, production meetings, meeting these guys that would do a five-hour night of just TV on NBA TV or, you know, a three-hour night of NBA on TNT. And I would constantly be hyper-focused watching it, cutting this stuff on, cutting and editing on Snappy TV, which is a live editing mm-hmm. uh, service. I think they just, I think they just they just died out recently, which is sad. Um, Twitter gave up on them or something. Um, but uh, these were big programs for us back in the day. Vine was big, like I said, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram was start slowly starting off. But um, we got freedom to do what we wanted and and to post what we wanted and and to use the numbers, the analytics, um, and programs like CrowdTangle and SpreadFast, and eventually learn from those numbers and keep getting better and better as a social media team overall. So really good, good learning experience. And I recommend like, I think it's called T9 program. I recommend that to anybody. If you want to get in sports, it doesn't matter if you're from the South or LA or Indiana or New York city. Um, you know, it's a great starting experience and you learn a lot and you get paid enough to live in Atlanta, which is relatively cheap compared to the cities I've lived in. And um, you get, you get good learning experience from people who are, you know, five, 10, 20 years in the sports industry. Mm-hmm. So really really beneficial to what i started out in sports social media to get that experience that is awesome man so yeah i mean you you spent 12 uh, 11 months i think you said was your contract yeah. right with uh with turner um yeah. and i mean just clearly so much uh it sounds like you were there for a couple of years but you were really only there for a year um oh, right amazing yeah, yeah then, exactly i mean i got to do not just nba i got to do pga.com was one of the turner mm-hmm. properties i got to go okay. to pga championship so i um you know I have cool stories from that, but, but, uh, but the, I did a lot in those 11 months. I, I mean, when you're covering the NBA, it's an eight month long season. Yeah. Um, you know, now it feels like it's nine months with, with international games and exhibition game, preseason mm-hmm. exhibition. There's, um, the summer you know, league. Yeah. Everybody loves now. the summer it's league now. Free agency. League. Yeah. It's huge. Free agency. It's a full year thing now. And that's how you got to cover it. Um, and I gladly, like I got the experience of covering it from, the early the early time in 2014 till till 2015 and and just constantly rolling with the punches and i got a lot of experience like you just said was march madness involved in that yes so how, how I mean, bonkers were those those two those two days thursday day. and friday man uh oh, those first that first weekend is just yeah probably one of the best sports weekends of anybody's year ever i mean what was that like having to pay attention to you know a total yeah. of what 32 games in two days or whatever whatever exactly. the numbers end up being that's a like it's a it's a long and busy day of stuff um you know if if you can imagine it it was like 20 of us in a room these big 60 70 80 inch tvs or whatever it was or projecting screens and there was games on all over the place and we'd have these shifts of you know uh 8 a.m or so till 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 2 or 3 p.m and then the next guy would come on from 2 or 3 till 10 p.m and it would be and it would constantly be uh, watching over it and the tough part at the time was um it's just now a different situation was there's a lot of sponsor posts we had to do for the march madness account mm-hmm. um is pizza hut was sponsored axe old spice um you know uh, all kinds of sponsors we had and you couldn't reference the player at all so it'd be like mm. you know you can't even say great shot by number 13 it'd be like nice reverse alley-oop you know, hashtag act, whatever it is, <laughs> hashtag act something. Uh-huh. That was even tough because we'd have to go through legal. So I learned sales posts in the early days. 
um, because you couldn't let the players profit off of their likeness. Mm -hmm. Um, And March Madness, they're big on that. So, um, you know, that was big, covering it, cutting up highlights, posting them, um, you know, and, and doing these sales posts. And, and on top of that, it'd be like, games were over, but we need you to also go to NBA TV and go cover that day. Mm-hmm. Um, so it might be a split day where you're doing March Madness and NBA TV um, or M- NBA and TNT. So um, it's busy, busy days. And they were all filming it out of Atlanta. So it was constantly, um, you'd see the Wally Zerbiak, I remember, was there. And then you'd see Charles Barkley or, or mm-hmm. Kenny the Jet Smith um, or Isaiah Thomas. But you'd see a mixture of these people and they were all in Atlanta. And, um, you know, it was really cool to see March Madness develop at the time and digitally socially it's like some people start to get consumption habits changed like i talked about earlier it changed from let me watch the whole two-hour game which maybe i could do but the younger generation is let me watch five vines of the game mm-hmm. and that's all i need to see i need to see the game the buzzer beater and i need to see that cool dunk and maybe other a couple other plays but it changed um dramatically um those consumption habits and we had to change with it and but March Madness, great experience, a lot going on, a lot of hustling, a lot of posting, uh, just grinding constantly. And when a game would end, you get to breathe a little bit, have a slice of pizza, and then you go right back to it because the next game would start in five minutes, ten mm-hmm. minutes later. Yeah, man. I mean, that, that again, it sounds like it was like three years worth of experience in a single, you know, not even a year, 11 months um, yeah. with all yeah, that opportunity, exactly. which is awesome, though. Right. Like, as you said, you've learned so much uh, in that short period of time, um, obviously over over the rest of your time as well. But it just sounds like you had an absolute blast. It was probably mm-hmm. difficult as hell. Um, but at the same time, just how like if you could think of a better job, I mean, let me know, because I think that that's got to be the coolest. Hey, I get to watch sports. Yeah, there's some yeah. involved, but like my job is to consume. And then when I exactly. see something really cool, I just say, hey, guys, if you guys didn't see this, check this out. I mean, like at the core exactly. of it, it's a pretty incredible job. And and as you were saying, like NBA Twitter just started to become a thing. NBA Twitter is very much a thing now. I think Twitter essentially mm-hmm. runs the NBA, at least in my opinion. If Twitter didn't exist, um, where would all these headlines go, right? And then also, I mean, we're seeing it now. I mean, the, you know, as of what uh, early late last year, uh, Adam Silver came out and they're looking to try and mm-hmm. do reseeding in the playoffs, change up the regular season a little bit because these yeah. consumption habits have changed significantly. Um, people aren't as interested. Like, I am not going to stay up past 10 o'clock to watch a basketball game unless yeah. it's like mm-hmm. the the conference finals or the finals. Like, I, I'm just yeah. not I'm not that interested. I love the playoffs. Everybody loves the playoffs. But I can pretty much just wake up the next morning and, you know, watch a five to ten minute highlight on YouTube that'll show me literally every shot taken. Yeah. And that's good enough for me. Like I'm not that big exactly. of a basketball fan. Um, more so college, less, less NBA, but it's just, yeah. it's just incredible how in, again, these few short years, it's 2014 we're talking about, it's 2020, it's six years later. Yeah. Um, and the entire media landscape pretty much was thrown on its head three or four times at this point. Uh, yeah. So I think it's just, it's just absolutely incredible. Um, so from Turner Bleacher Report, yeah, um, I know the NFL is on your resume as well, but I know the NFL yeah. didn't come to a little bit later, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so, yeah, I went from Turner Sports to Bleach Report. So it okay. went from, and, and obviously, if you don't know, Bleach Report was bought by Turner Sports yeah. in 2012. So it was, you know, it was a big, yeah, uh, big purchase. Obviously, I don't know what Bleach Report's worth now, but it's a lot more than it was. More than 250 million. It's, yeah, it's, it might be it's, in the billions now. It's worth it's worth a couple bucks now. Um. So what? It, and, and again, again at, at Bleacher Report, it was um more of the same. A lot of social media. I mean, I guess it was less 
watching games and seeing so so what was your experience like there yeah. what did you learn from that um from the other side of turner sports essentially yeah so um i would say well like i said one job led to the next um one of the guys at turner sports jimmy put me in contact with with kenny dorsett who's who's uh one of the directors of social media bleacher report at the time um you know they said do you want to come up to new york city and move back here and i said yes you know this is i love new york city i, I got a good six months of it in my first job but it's good to come back um and so when i went there i think it was a different it was a different place i would say in 2015 than it is now obviously um 2015 i think bleacher report was more about website clicks and links mm-hmm. and yeah. those 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 20 page articles that have ranking lists oh my and god i i know people used to trash bleach report on that stuff because someone would say like the most underrated team is the bobcats or something you gotta watch out for them this year or some you know some take that and and people didn't know because i was a writer for bleach report in 2012 i did um you know in the internship uh through their college writing program and it was it was a lot of lists it was a lot of like game recaps it was mm-hmm. a lot of like who's gonna win the the big 10 title this year um and why and um you know it turned into you know content overload just constantly posting articles mm. posting content see how many uh, reads and reviews it gets and uh and then social media was posting all about that uh posting links posting um you know the howard becks uh when he joined it was a big deal to post his stuff or kevin ding or uh rick buecher um and these guys that were um, you know mike freeman on the nfl side was big for us so a lot of these guys it was about getting out their content to the world mm-hmm. um, because if you, you know, that is the way to consume them. Not everyone's going to go on the BR app and, you know, some people will get the notifications back then, but it was, I get my news through social media and people turn on their notifications and find bleach report tweets. And so um, at the time it was less about watching the TV screen, more about the links and clicks. And then I would say 2016, 2017, around that time, is where it turned into let's be, you know, Bleach Report as a company change into let's be the cool social media. Let's not just be about millennials, but let's be about Gen Z and uh, younger audiences. Mm-hmm. How do they consume social media? Um, so it was a social first kind of company it changed into. It was a big change at the time. And you had to roll, like I said, you have to roll with the consumption habits of the audience. And so um, so did my job change. Um, I, would, I would look for cool things. I would use emojis. Um, I would use cool hashtags at the time. Um, my lingo changed uh, to what the audience was looking for. It was less about structured. I mean, I, I, I still did a lot of breaking news posts, uh, feature story posts and videos, uh, sales videos, stuff like that. But a lot of it is is posting the cool stuff that people like mm-hmm. uh, and they can rewatch and they can share with their friends. And when you post that stuff, it's, it's about how do we do engage wise today? Did we do our hit our goals of 20, 30 tweets today? Did we um, did we connect to the audience and interactions wise? How do we do? And the metrics obviously changed over a period of time from 2015 to 2018 when I was there. But uh, a lot of it was um, it was the um, it was changing with the audience. It was developing our voice. Uh, it was having a cool voice. And at some point, I think maybe in 2016 uh, is when the acquisition of House Highlights came around mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and Omar Raja, and now he's a mega superstar. Yeah. And I, I remember Omar coming into the office, you know, um, you know, as a regular guy um, wearing regular 
closed. Um, and now I think he's got, a, he looks like he's got a stylist and uh, he's working for ESPN and yep. him and four other guys, I think they just announced are, are running sports center now and yep. sports center. And, you know, I knew house of highlights when it was maybe half a million to a million followers, something like that. Um, I first learned about it and then I saw it grow into where they, they, they bought him in um, 2015, 2016, end of the year. Um, and he would come into the office and he'd be just constantly watching NBA games and um, looking for cool stuff and um, having a cool voice. And so when he went from, you know, half a million to a million to now 15.3 or 4 million, something like that, um, it was amazing to see the leap and change. And over time, um, as more people get on these social media platforms, the audience grows. Um, and the more influencers follow you, the audience continues to grow. And so um, I think it's, it's, uh, it's cool to see how Bleach Report changed and developed its voice. And I can go into it later, but high-end content wasn't a thing. Um, it was a slightly a thing of turn sports, like cool, cool graphics, maybe a funny video every now and then. But it wasn't a thing until it turned into Bleach Report, probably 2016, 2017, when mm -hmm. they hired on a ton of people that do creative stuff, that do head swaps, jersey swaps, mm -hmm. uh, independent contractors that can do, um, you know, amazing things in terms of, um you know visual effects and adding a dragon ball z effect to a video so it never it never it became a thing until it was a thing at bleach report to do that type of level of content mm -hmm. and i'm sure the social media team creative team is over 30 people now um at, at bleach report and uh, it's amazing to see because i was you know we had a team of probably like five or six of us when i got hired on and now it's you know uh, it's probably the, one of the world leaders of sports social yeah. media. So it's yeah. exciting. Again, like that's, uh, that's how I view, I, I hated Bleacher Report back in, you know, 2014, 15. Like I refused. Uh, it was, it was content overload, as you said, it was just, there was just so much. And I was like, well, there's already ESPN. I know all those guys. I'll just hang out here. Um, but over time, downloaded the app, got used to it. And yeah, they're, they're definitely much more social forward. And it makes sense when you see, I get all the notifications. Um, some of them I roll my eyes at uh, and others yeah. uh, I am very glad that I did get. Um, so it's, it's a very, it's still, it's not, I understand what they're doing and the audience they're going mm -hmm. after. And I think I fall like Venn diagram I'm partially in, um, mm -hmm. but I wouldn't say a hundred percent, but I, I like all the people that cover my teams. Um, I like all the interesting articles that come out. Not all, most, um, some are a little clickbaity and some, again, I yeah. roll my eyes at, but it's still, I mean, I understand yeah. that's the industry. That's what you have to do. The more views, the more, as we've been saying before, the more advertisers get paid, the more you get paid, the more everybody's happy. So um, there's mm -hmm. definitely a lot of stuff there. And, and you referenced it. And uh, if you didn't, I was going to bring it up, the House of Highlights part. Um, you know, shout out to Omar. Um, I don't know him. Never mm -hmm. met him. Uh, yeah. It might, might one day. But what he was able to do and, and how – you know, obviously with, with him being bought essentially by Bleacher Report and then having that influx of cash and then seeing with the capabilities that he had, mm -hmm. he obviously is a very smart dude who knows what he's doing, which is awesome. And yeah, now he runs the yeah. Sports Center, um, the Sports Center Instagram, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. Or Twitter account or something like that. So, I mean, Sports shout Center, out to that guy. Sports Center, all their uh, all the know, socials, socials run, is run by him and like four other guys who were all from Bleacher Report then put on the house pilot team. Mm -hmm. He was by himself on the house pilot team from I think like 2013 or 14 till, till maybe Bleach of War didn't start creating a team for him till like 2017, I would say. Mm -hmm. So then it became like, let's hire people to help out Omar cover these games and whatnot. But yeah. at the, at the, for the most part, it was him, um, you know, taking videos off of YouTube and NBA highlights and packaging them into one minute clips on mm -hmm. Instagram and, 
uh, nostalgia clips that people loved from the Miami Heat days when LeBron was there mm-hmm. um, to, uh, you know, being a cool, you know, voice for sports social media and, uh, you know, turning into, you know, what it is today where, it's, you know, one of the most popular, uh, you know, um, mm-hmm. sports social media um, Instagrams in, in the world. So yeah. it's, it's, it's amazing to see the evolution and the hard work that you, you have to put in to watch a lot of these NBA games and, um, and it, you know, I couldn't do it all the time, but I, but, you know, as I got older, but I could, it was was fun to see how these people constantly focusing on uh, getting it, recording it, Mm -hmm. posting it and getting it out first. It was a big deal. Yeah. 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 100%. So so that was immediacy was a big thing, um, especially in the NBA Twitter days when Mm -hmm. we were evolving. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, again, like everybody thinks they can do that, right? Like everyone thinks that they can do something like that. But then when you start to see, you know, the hours and hours that you and other people in your industry, Omar, you know, put in, you know, hey, I love watching baseball. But if you told me I had to watch baseball, and not only Mm -hmm. had to watch baseball, I had to watch every single game at the same time, and then take clips from it and post that up multiple times a night. Mm -hmm. Baseball is not that fun anymore, right? Like it's mm-hmm. still, I mean, it's still fun. And again, I couldn't think of something cooler, but the, that is super intensive. That is a lot of stuff. And as you said, if you didn't get it out first, it's essentially useless at that point. Not essentially, exactly. but at least back then it was. Now it's a little different, but. Like we um, get better numbers. We yeah, get the algorithm better. Exactly, than you would, right? You got out first, yeah. So, so there's a lot of things. And again, everybody thinks they can do it until they start to do it and realize how much time, energy, and effort is needed. Mm-hmm. And it's, oh, not just that. It's like, oh, you know, your Saturdays and Sundays, well, they're just days of the week that have games on. So you're just mm-hmm. still there. You're still doing your thing. And a lot of people live for the weekends, which I totally disagree with. But it's something where even just this past weekend, like I had a really fun time eating pizza, mm-hmm. drinking a couple beers with my friend, watching the football games. I know yeah. a lot of people that had cooler opportunities where they flew to the games and were there and, and ran yeah. those social accounts, but they didn't drink any beer. They didn't get to hang out with their friends. No. They didn't get to eat any of the pizza. Like, so there's just some of these smaller things that you know, with what comes, you know, great responsibility, great power comes great responsibility, right? Like you yeah. ran right. a lot of these things and you had to do these things. You get to, but you also, if you didn't, then you lost your job and that's pretty important. So I think it's really, really interesting. Um, yeah just kind of how the landscape has changed and what is necessary. And again, people think they can do it until they start to do it. And it's, it's, it's difficult, man. It's a grind. Um, it's a grind. For exactly. Sure. And, Very much so. With social media is a grind more than others because of the competition, uh, the sports illustrated, ESPN, CBS sports is uh, all these accounts, even some smaller basketball accounts are really big nowadays and yeah. they could profit off of them. And so it's, it's competition mixed with, high energy and high uh, mm-hmm. productability, uh, as I would say, you know, we want to produce a lot. We want to get good engagement and we will overall have an impact on that social media landscape for that night mm-hmm. and just keep grinding, keep becoming, you know, one of the numbers wise, the, the best, if not the best uh, social media accounts to follow because when they, when you show it to advertisers, they, they, they salivate and they want mm-hmm. to come along with exactly pay bleacher for a lot of money to do posts that, um, can really, um, you know, help their brand name uh, because they were having a tough time doing social media themselves. But if you attach yourself with the Bleach Report, a house pilot's name, it elevates your name and it gauges a new audience that you're not used to. Absolutely. A hundred percent, man. And it's, it's all about the money, right? It's all about the advertisers mm-hmm. and everything's exactly. sponsored now in some way, or you're a partner with somebody. I mean, just look at the barstool effect, like everything they do is very authentic, but at the same time, mm-hmm. it's also very branded and, you know, it's all yeah, branded content right. at this point. And that's how I think most 
most advertisers are starting to get privy that, okay, hey, like I understand, you know, a TV commercial, a 15 second mm-hmm. spot, a 30 second spot, whatever it is, but you're probably going to get more legs. You're probably going to get better opportunities when you do this branded content. Just again, to bring up Barstool, I think they did like a three point shooting contest but it was the Mountain Dew three-point shooting contest or whatever. And that gave Mountain Dew the opportunity where, oh, it's a funny video online. Let's watch it. Well, if you didn't notice, there's about 1,500 Mountain Dew logos that show up throughout the entire thing. And they say the name a bunch of times. They drink the product a bunch of times. And it's still very authentic. um, But branded content just has seemed to be so much bigger. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's something that we're going to get to in a minute. But I I also want to talk about your time at NFL Network. Um, and what you did there, I know what you did at the NFL network was just as crazy. Um, so if you don't mind kind of, I guess, comparing and contrasting what you did at NFL network to Turner and Bleacher Report as well, I'd I'd love to hear your thoughts on there. Yeah. So, um, I think when you go from a media outlet, like I did to the, the shield, the, uh, to a professional, to professional, uh, sports organization like that, a billion dollars sports organization that has all these TV rights and everything. Um, you know, thanks to, like like I said, one job led to the next. A guy named that I knew at Bleach Report named C.J. Toledano led me to NFL, and he started the checkdown page for them um, back in the day. Well, 2017, 2018, I think is when they started it. Um, and um, that led me to NFL Network, another contract that I did that was about nine months long, mainly for the season, um, a little bit after for NFL draft. But um, I covered the whole season just like I did with the NBA. But it was just NFL and for Bleach Report is all sports. I even got big in MMA when I was a Bleach Report because mm-hmm. I thought it was, you know, non-traditional sport, but I thought yeah. it was so cool when I watched it live in person. Um, but NFL was just focused on NFL Network, you know. Um, me and another person, we ran the account and we grew maybe five, 600,000 new followers um, in those eight, nine months. Um, but it was, uh, you know, big in Instagram, big in graphic design, big in video editing, um, you know, and essentially Thursday, Sunday, and Monday are like, you know, they're like national holidays. Mm-hmm. Um, Sunday, especially. Yeah. Obviously. Um, you've got, you know, in the NFL war room, I would say there's like 30 people all doing social media, maybe 20 or 20 or 22 of them get hired for the NFL season, especially in contracted. And there's, there's, you know, there's uh, got to be 20 TVs in the, in that room. Uh, and, and there's every game you can think of and people changing games and, um, and constantly watching games. But NFL Network was specifically follow the 24-7 channel, uh, be about our, our, uh, our talent there, similar to my NBA TV experience and very, uh, you know, on the conservative side of NFL in terms of uh, let's post cool things, let's do what Michael Irvin does, it's crazy. Um, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, have fun um and grow the audience and i think the 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 theory about social media kind of changed obviously nba has been so focused on letting everyone post highlights whatever they want um and the nfl is different about that and Mm -hmm. there's still a process where they let the other media outlets use the highlights but they've got to credit the check down or the nfl um but the nfl network even saturday became a game day for us so those were games we'd have to do promo graphics uh, post game graphics, we'd grab the the um, whatever it was. Um, a big deal was elevating like the the um, you know elevating things that the NFL was doing, elevating the 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 sales stuff that we'd be doing, but also elevating um, you know the shows that were on 
um, you know, are, it's amazing. Like Good Morning Football, amazing mm-hmm. show. That's I love. Good, I watch it, it every day. I freaking love. I love exactly. this. And Kay, Kay's the best. Kay is the Kay's best. The best. She knows her stuff. She's and loves fantasy football. Nate Burleson brings a whole new. Uh, he's fun and cool and unique. They all have their own personalities. Pete Schrager, um, Kyle Brandt. Um, these were the shows. I'd come in during the day. At you know, actually, that show starts maybe four or five a.m. on the mm-hmm. West Coast. Um, but we come in at like seven a.m. Me or the my coworker, and we'd watch the the three hour show, and then we'd get ready for whatever shows were next. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it was a fantasy show, whether it was Kyle Brandt started to do a show halfway into the year, um, whether it was pregame content for one of the games we had, it was constantly rolling with what the TV schedule was all about. Some of my NBA TV days and um, posting cool content, being relevant, and uh, supporting the NFL, the checkdown, and the, the throwback page that they just launched um, that year as well. And so um, all of it was, you know, another great experience to, to post and to learn how to, I think graphic design skills got better when I was mm-hmm. there. I learned a lot. Uh, and video editing started to get better using Premiere Pro. So this is stuff that I didn't use when I was, you know, in college. I, I didn't use I learned how to write. Yeah, I didn't yeah. learn how to do a social media post. I didn't learn how to do graphic design. I didn't learn how to do video editing. But I learned all that uh, through experience and through places that I've gotten to work at. And it's helped me uh, to where I am now. But um, but overall, I think the NFL is, is a great, you know, just like same thing for someone that's come out of college or a couple years out of college. Like get some experience in the NFL. Doesn't matter if it's only seven, eight, nine months. Just learn, soak up, be a sponge in this industry and learn from people around you and, you know, learn what works on social media, what doesn't work and, um, and overall, you know, grow as a person and a professional when you're there, um, I think is always important. So, uh, yeah, I got great experience there and it was, it was coming back to LA for me. And, uh, and I really, you know, I recommend it to anyone if they can get into the, into the shield, you know, uh, and get some experience, even if it's a contract position, do it and enjoy it and, and learn a lot, uh, inside those doors and um and you know learn as much as you can because that's really valuable experience absolutely and, and again just just the your 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 resume is incredible for a reason turner sports nba tv bleacher report nfl um you know a beat writer at one time and it all culminates into you now owning your own mm-hmm. business right um yeah. iceman i said that right eisman digital eisman digital yeah. consulting so like tell idea. us tell us like yeah. what what first? What was it like making the leap uh, to mm-hmm. being a business owner? Because I know that's a lot of that. That's half the battle with most people that finally own a business is actually just, you know, stop doing yeah. what they're doing and actually just say like, "This is what I do now." Yeah, I mean, I think I was in the corporate world. Uh, you know, all these places. Some felt more corporate than others. Bleach of where we can wear, um, you know, uh, shorts and a t-shirt and might not and felt like a family. And then the NFL felt you know more structured in mm-hmm. a way and. Um, but they're all, you know, good experience that I've had with the different places. But, you know, like you said, the leap of faith is, is um, it's, you learn a lot, especially in those starting months. I, I created my own website from Squarespace. I learned how to go to Inkfile and, and uh, you know, set up my business, tax, an LLC business, um, you know, uh, almost getting my, my, my name, which, you know, is a big deal for me to call it Eisen Digital Consulting. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, to try to take the leap of faith, sell myself as much as possible, and to get clients throughout, the, throughout these, you know, five, six months that I've been in business to uh, 
you know, it could be anything. Um, you know, I'm so used to sports, but um, wherever the opportunity was, wherever the money was um, to really grow my business and to put these, these names on my resume uh, was always, and on my website was always a big deal for me. Mm-hmm. And so taking the leap of faith, starting a business is not easy. Um, and it really comes down to how much, you know, can, persistent you know how persistent you are and how um you can take the punches and keep coming back for more and you lose a client how to get another client and to do pitches for everyone you know i thought at first my business was going to be all about doing social media for athletes what athlete wouldn't want to learn my five years of experience and help me run their social media um and then it turned into sports businesses were reaching out cannabis businesses were reaching out uh startups um clothing companies all sorts of stuff have reached out to me and it's they all have different goals and needs and um and i try to tailor my uh what i offer around what they're looking for and um overall just um you know be successful as much successful as possible and show the numbers and show them my results and i hope that they're happy at the end of the day because you know things change all of a sudden in the industry Mm -hmm. and change you know for for their company objectives all the time but it's it's important for me to uh, to adapt and grow with them and uh, to use what th- they're all about and their goals and and try to help them out as much as possible and um, you know and how to value myself at the end of the day is is important part what what I need to charge them sometimes it's worse than it hasn't worked um, depending on their budget but obviously at the end of the day um, being very proactive about it and um, listening to what the client's needs are and that's totally different than when I was a bleach report because it was a lot about hitting the numbers and, mm-hmm. um, and competing against these other sports organizations. Now, when you're in sports or cannabis or whatever it is, it might be sales. It might be website views. It might be, uh, going to a, events. They want to promote events. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a variety of things that I've learned from different clients and it's been a really valuable learning experience so far. So I'm, I'm really enjoying what I've, what I've done and what I've helped build up. Um, cause every month is different. Every client is different. And, I learned a lot along the way. Yeah, and I mean, again, like with with your extensive uh, resume, and and it's not just the places you worked. As you know, as you've already gone over it, all the things that you've done while there, mm-hmm. right? Like having to be on from whatever till one yeah. o'clock in the morning because that's when the games are over. You know, it's it's exactly. having to do all these things and understanding you know urgency and and what you need to do and how you need to get done at at all costs and mm-hmm. um you know maybe not all of these things are exactly the same but you're a smart guy you can figure out okay well how you know we can get people to go to a website how do we get people to go to an event you yeah. know how do, how do we change this slightly to get people to understand the urgency and wanting to go somewhere now it's not as easy as mm-hmm. clicking but at the same time it is as easy as clicking and buying a ticket so there's still a lot yeah. of things um, and it sounds like you've been doing this a lot. So one of my questions was sports specific, but it clearly does not yeah. sound like that is the case. Um, mm-hmm. But it, at the same time, doesn't rule out the opportunity, right? Like obviously that's where your that's where your expertise is in. That's where your experience is in. So yeah, hopefully yeah. these athletes do take you up and say, hey, yeah, exactly. yeah, we should uh, we should we should talk to the guy who's done this for five years nonstop essentially. So I think that that's that's very important. Um, and yeah. so I guess what and I just got I just got an NBA agency. Um, congratulations. Right um, so, uh, they've got clients like Pascal Siakam, Kevin Looney, um, a, a bunch of EuroLeague players, but, um, you know, helping them out with their athletes and social media, but obviously, you know, my business adapts and changes whoever the industry is and I'm open to whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's so, kind of the approach I've taken. 
So with, with this agency that you just signed on first, congratulations, dude, that is Thank absolutely you. incredible. So do you run the agency? Do you, do you give them content to them post on behalf of the athletes? How exactly does that work? Yeah. And, and I guess, how much can you tell us? Yeah. So for now, um, I just started with them. It's, it's about the agency. Um, you know, and Pascal's coming back uh, from injury yesterday. Mm -hmm. It was, let's get a graphic out. So I was making the graphic uh, quickly as possible. Um, Thomas Bryant, one of their clients also mm -hmm. was coming back from injury after wizards, being right? For, yeah, exactly. After yep. being gone for a long time. Um, and so that was big for us, um, doing, uh, you know, anything, uh, that, that helps the agency promotes its players because the, the goal of the agency is, um, getting these other younger guys that are about to enter the draft or they're in college or they're in high school. Um, and how do they, know what they, how the agency is and what they're doing is through mm -hmm. social media. Yep. Um, they could talk to the agent, um, Todd Ramasar as much as possible. Hear what he has to say. Um, and, and then they go to a CIA basketball or they go to a, uh, BDA sports or whatever it may be. Um, and they can learn a lot from the different meetings and stuff that they have, but social media is a, is a direct connection to these athletes. Mm -hmm. And I see who follows us. I see who likes our content and, that's the be that's turning into the best way to contact these these athletes and connect with them um so a lot of it has been me just focusing on what the agency does but i'm putting together proposals and stuff of you know what these athletes could be doing what pascal could be doing um you know he's probably gonna make his first all-star game uh next month and um you know overall how it can best service the agency to make sure that they look like one of the top basketball agencies in the world so um, that's my goal. And, you know, hopefully we get there one day. Hey man. I mean, I think that's awesome. Congratulations. That just is like, it sounds like exactly what you're trying to do, right? Like you want to exactly. work with these athletes, you want to work in these sports and give them the opportunity and show them how they can better themselves through this platform, these platforms, um, yeah. that, you know, we have, we, you and I, I mean, I grew up with this, right? Like, yeah. I mean, I think I, my space when I was like, I don't know, sixth grade, I Aim. think I, what about yeah. AIM, you know? Is AIM that considered like a, a I guess that's true, yeah. I, I mean, it's social media, but it was a but, way to communicate yeah, with other people. That's true. I, my name was Hoopstar ASE, all, my AIM Love name. And so it started from there, and then went to MySpace. And then MySpace yep. kind of Facebook. died out. And, yep. you know, Facebook was a big deal. Um, you know, our middle, our high school days, I guess it would say. But, you know, it, it, it evolved. Social media evolves, and you got to mm -hmm. evolve with it. It's incredible how much has changed. Um, so I guess one question upon social media, um, TikTok. Mm -hmm. What's going on there? Are you, are, how, how, like when these things happen and, and TikTok I thought was a joke for a second um, <laughs> and now it's what like one of the three or four biggest platforms if I'm not mistaken, mm -hmm. like the, the meteoric rise and I don't use that term lightly. Um, knowing, I don't know if you're interested. I'm not interested in it. I don't want to be mm -hmm. on it. It just doesn't seem like a place that I want to be at all. Um, I'm sure one day I'll get there, but with understanding the, the industry you're in, like how quickly, like some of these things obviously are fads, but how quickly do you have to hop on something, learn how to use it, figure it out, and then learn how to implement it for other people, especially something like TikTok, which again, over the last, I don't know, year, it's been become, yeah. it's easily the fastest growing if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what's that yeah. like? Um, you know, it's interesting because you, like I said, you got to evolve with what the consumption habits of the audience changes and who gets bought out and stuff. Like mm -hmm. Vine was big for me, 2014, yeah, yeah, yeah. 2015, 2016. Um, and then Instagram became a big deal those, the years after. Um, then in the middle of that, you know, at Turner Sports, we had this thing called Periscope or Meerkat mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and they were like live, live video. Could you do live? 
could someone do live video at a golf, you know, golf tournament, excuse me, um, was always a big deal. Turn sports at PJ Championships, you know, um, you know, since it's being recorded on TV, could you record it on your phone? Could you let your phone on the golf course? Um, all stuff like that. But, um, you know, you change with it. I think TikTok to me is kind of Vine-ish 2.0. Yeah, yeah, with yeah. Music, with music. And um, obviously the, the videos are cool. And maybe there's going to become Vine influence. I'm not Vine. Uh, TikTok influences in, in the future. Um, oh, dude, I think are, the future is the future's already here. I just read an article yeah. about like 12 people moving into a house together to make more TikToks together. And I was just like, this yeah. is good for them. I'm jealous yeah. if we're being honest, but like it's, it's here, man. It's crazy. It, you know, Snapchat saw a decline and I, uh, our age doesn't, our millennials don't really use Snapchat. They use Instagram because Instagram has stories. Yeah. You reach more audience and whatnot. Um, uh, and Instagram TV is really good, getting a cool thing. But TikTok is like, I think the audience, I mean, the month active users are more than Snapchat. Um, they're going to be competing with Instagram. I think um, the usage habits will con- change with, with what the person likes to use. My brother, you know, 31 years old, loves TikTok. Really? And, uh, you know, and then he, he, he thinks it's so cool and it's, it's a good, it's like, it keeps you plugged in constantly off of one video, you like it, and then it goes to another video and it keeps going. You find funny videos that he likes. You find puppy videos or whatever they like. You find, um, you know, a dance video or whatever it may be. He loves it. I'm still getting to learn how to use it. And, um, you know, if a client wants wants uh, TikTok um, and wants to learn how to use it, I think I've got to, um, you know, try to figure it out. But, um, but overall, I think um, you roll with the punches and you figure out what what's working well with what audiences and. I think TikTok people are still trying to figure out what how are they going to use it, and um, Bleach Report's done some cool things with it. Um, I think I think NFL became a partnership with it, and maybe NBA too as well. They've partnered with TikTok to uh, post school content. It's all it used to be music industry related. Now it's all you know sports. Can I do a highlight or dance video? Add some music to it and post it. And um, these clips, you know, they get a million to five million views uh, within a short period of time, and uh, it, it, you know, it, something kind of turns viral out of nowhere. And I see some Instagram influencers that are starting to convert over to mm-hmm. TikTok influencers as well, because there's profit to be made. There's, yeah. um, I think there, the people will start to figure out that in the future, um, how to monetize it the best way. And overall, um, you know, the, 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 the consumption of the audience will change. It's, it's all about, you know, what do you do in a 24-hour time span? I mm-hmm. sleep for six to whatever hours. I, I'm on social media, on Instagram for X amount of time. I'm on TikTok for this amount of time. It's all about how can they engage the audience and how much time you have per day and keep you on your phone or your little mini computer you have in your hand. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if TikTok is, in a, you know, it's, the, the audience is growing. Uh, I know someone at TikTok told me they moved out of their, like, WeWork space to, like, try to get an office in L.A. And so, like they're growing as a company, yeah. the audience will grow um, and their partnerships with not just NFL, NBA, all, all these sports organizations will grow, but um, agencies, the athletes using them will grow and everyone's going to understand that TikTok is going to have a place, uh, at least for the time being, unless, mm-hmm. you know, Instagram tries to copy, Instagram Facebook tries to yeah. copy them and do something cool. Um, you know, that, that could be a, something that happens in the future, but who knows, but for now, TikTok's hot and People love it, and the, the active users are growing day after day. So 
excited to see that an audience, some you know, 16 year old loves to use them, do a dance video, and a you know, 25 year old loves to do it, or my brother, 31 years old. I mean, I saw girl, two girls at a movie theater before while the coming before the coming tracks were going. They were doing a dance video in front of the whole in you know, a movie theater because it was TikTok and it was they <laughs> wanted to post on their uh -huh. their social media. And so there's a wide range of audience that likes to use it, an age group that likes to use it. And it'll just continue to grow over time, I think. And we'll see what happens. You know, I think it's exciting. It's exciting platform. Yeah, it's definitely new. It's definitely interesting. Um, yeah, I just, I have enough social media to look at during the day. I don't really want to look at any more, to be honest with you. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I, I scale back the time on the other ones I use um, and push mm -hmm. it there, but it's definitely interesting. And yeah, as you said, I mean, if the monthly active users are there, um, people will, I mean, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Well, it looks like they're coming at about the same time. Um, and, mm -hmm. and the more people yeah. that go, the more influencers go there, the more big names go there, which means more people like myself and, and yourself included then start to go pay attention to it. Um, and then the last thing I want to talk about, so you brought it up a little bit, brand um, partnerships. Uh, we, we spoke yeah. about it a few minutes ago, but branded content, um, especially in social media, that's where the money is, at least from what mm -hmm. I've seen. Um, you know, I work with athletes. You obviously know what you're doing on that end as well with yeah. the brands, with the athletes, with the agencies. What, um, in your time, just from, you know, getting out of school to now, how have you mm -hmm. seen not just the amount of branded content and partnerships, um, not not just the amount, but the sophistication and the the cleverness. Because again, in marketing, it's authenticity, it's being genuine, it's yeah. also eyeballs. And needing those things to combine is how you really send a great message, in my opinion. So, what have you seen on that front? And what are some of the cool and clever opportunities that you saw at Bleacher Report, um, at the NFL Network, with some of your current clients? What have you seen that's really worked and resonated with multiple audiences, or at least the audience that they're looking to get in front of? Yeah, like you said. Um you know, I think the audience is starting to become more and more adapt to what is sales, who's being tagged in the paid partnerships tool um, or the branded content tool. Um, and, and, you know, you got to be cool with it. It used to be back in the day where it's very in your face, you know, some athlete drinking something that's, you know, body armor or whatever it may mm -hmm. be. And it's in your, you know, it's, uh, it's in your face with Bleacher Report. Like, like we had, we, you know, might've done those posts, but then it evolved over time where it's like, you know, they created a team where it was like, let's mix the sales team with the creative team. Uh, Beckley Mason, giving him a shout out, but he was one of the first in the Bleach Report to like say, you know, both sides can combine. It wasn't just the sales team is on one floor and the mm -hmm. creative team is on the, the second floor, but let's find a way to combine the teams and like to have a director or a producer or which talent we need to uh, involve. So everything was different. I mean, you find what the company needs uh, out of the video what athletes maybe, you know, get paid to be in the video, um, their appearance fees and stuff, and how does it resonate with the audience? It's got to be authentic. It's got to look cool and natural, and it can't just be in your face. We, I mean, there was a fishing video. I don't know. Some, some NFL athlete might have been Martellus Bennett or some Packers player, uh, or Brett Hundley or somebody. Uh, back in the day, I posted, and it was uh, this company, Yeti, that wanted to do a sponsorship, and they're an outdoorsy company. and. Mm -hmm. Uh, it had nothing to really do with Yeti product. Maybe there was a product in the background or something, product placement, but it was it was all about his love of fishing. And they wanted to put their money behind it because they thought it was cool. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so uh, I think Old Spice has done some cool things with Bleach Report. I did like, they did it, we did a cool thing with um, with the dance videos. Um, like, you know, if, a, if a Von Miller would say, I love, 
I want to do this dance this upcoming season. And we, they cartoonified it, I guess, or animated <laughs> it. Um, and that was Old Spice want to put their money behind it. It doesn't have anything to do with Old Spice except for the, you know, presented by Old Spice and Von Moe's an Old Spice athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's the connection there. Um, and I had to post that stuff and figure out the copy and whatever and use the right hashtags for the, for the client, what they're looking for. Uh, but then you got like a uh, game of zones. And I'm sure that, yes. that started with two guys, the Malma brothers, who are geniuses, I think, in their own right. They do the vi- they do the, the animation back in the day. They did the, the voiceovers. They did the creative content, the, the story writing, all that behind it. And they would use us as like guinea pigs to see if we like these episodes. And then turn into, I think, a 20, 30-person animation team that knows exactly how to draw these guys' faces and whatnot. And so, um, you know, it's, it's amazing to see, um, you know, an AT&T or State Farm put their money behind it. I don't know which one came this year, but or this upcoming year they're going to do. But or McDonald's put money behind it. So these big uh, media brands are being sold on this, and they know, um, you know, they know it may be between 5 to 10 million views uh, are going to be on each episode. And so if they could sell six episodes or eight episodes, you know, they're going to put their money on that mm-hmm. versus an advertisement on TV, which, you know, which sadly what's going to happen is someone might fast forward over it. Someone might be looking at their phone instead of paying attention mm-hmm. to the ad. The eyeball goes away versus um, associate yourself with a game of zones is a big deal. Um, and it, there are going to be a lot of more eyeballs maybe on that video or those videos than that tv that tv show um itself so um you know associating yourself with the cool brands trying to attach to new audiences um the younger generations the gen z's of the world um and whatever the other generation younger than that's being called um but uh, uh you know a big deal is is going to be you know they, they go people are going from media organizations to brands and brands you should just be nike you know mcdonald's these logos that you would see and you know exactly the company now a brand is 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 a media company who mm-hmm. supports their yep. own brand. They have exactly. their own voice and tone. House Pilots is their own brand. Uh, you know, Turner Sports, the Bleacher Report. I mean, Turner Sports, NBA and TNT, NBA TV is their own brand. So these all are guys that are their own brand, and you find the advertisers that want to match that on social media and pay for that space uh, versus maybe instead of paying for website space, which was big deal five six years ago. Now it's social media space being sold, and um, I think it will continue to be a thing as, you know, the, the new generations get born, they're going to grow up mm-hmm. with social media. Um, and so how do we get their attention? Associate yourself with a cool brand, and it doesn't always have to be an in-your-face thing. I know, like, you know, like you said, Barstool Sports might have done, like, a liquid IV thing, and they're showing you how to use the product, and they're said they're hungover from last night or whatever it is. And it, this is why we use liquid IV. It doesn't necessarily have to be that way. It could be as long as authentic, it connects to the audience and you're associating yourself with a cool brand like a Bleach Report House Island. Um, it, it, gen- it resonates with the audience. That's important and um, it'll continue to be an important thing. And maybe TikTok will have an, uh, its own advertising arm in the future where people are using it like that, um, like it really cool. So. It's crazy, man. I mean, there's so much stuff people can do through social media. And then the other part of it is, you know, it's, as you said, with Von Miller, well, they have mm-hmm. his social media following, they have him for his TV commercials, they have all these opportunities yeah. along the way, where they can utilize him as as an old spice athlete, um, or, you know, Mike Trout as a body armor athlete, well, he can be yeah. utilized in multiple different ways, which I think is just awesome. And 
gives more power to the players because it's it's who they are you know their performance normally performance and personality the combination leads to more people paying attention and caring to who they are um and allows them to get bigger deals and, and you know hopefully if anybody needs help they can go find you, Aaron. Yeah, um, exactly. Thanks. Thank you for that. No, hey man, that's why we're here. We got to do a couple plugs too. But Aaron, this was wonderful. I mean, I'm I'm pretty good. If you're good, um, Aaron Eisman, right? I don't, I don't know why I, I can't. Yeah, why do I keep I, doing that? Eisman. Yeah. Jesus. I, no, it's 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 fine. I think people have had trouble with that, or uh, people have asked me uh, with you know. You're good, man. It, what it what it is? It's my fault. You said it like four no, times. Fine. I've said it correctly also multiple times. So I don't know why this you time did. I had to you do it incorrectly. Job. But Erica, Aaron Eisman, Eisman Digital Consulting, a um, lot of social media, incredible, incredible, everything. Please give me all your websites and all your social accounts. And yeah. Throw that all over to me. I'll put everything in the show notes. So when everyone, um, when they listen to this and think, hey, I need a guy to do that, they can, uh, they can find him right there. I appreciate that. Any business or referrals or podcasts or people have uh, the people listening have referrals for me. Um, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm much appreciated. And if anyone needs some, you know, social media consulting or strategy, um, I'm here to help. Cause I, we know where you know, to go. Business, exactly. My business is everything from, you know, uh, the, the posting, the content creation, the strategy, the analytics, uh, the monetization. Mm -hmm. I, I'm doing, I run the gamut of all that stuff and, uh, I'm hoping I have a successful 2020. So, and same to you. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Me on. We're expecting uh, it. Thanks so much, Aaron. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Have a good one. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and all the episodes of For the Love of Sports. Um, on a personal note, I would really like to say thank you and, and sincerely, sincerely mean that. This is the actual favorite thing that I get to do. Just talk to incredible people have great conversations and I learn and hopefully you're learning something and hopefully we can laugh along the way. So if you could please give this a five-star review, if you could please share this, um, subscribe to it, do whatever you have to do. The more people that do that, the more these stories and these conversations get out. And I'm really hoping that one day, um, one day soon, this will be something that I get to do as a full-time job um, on top of my other full-time job, of course. But this is an absolute blast. Sincerely appreciate it. Check the show notes for all social media handles. Anything that came from the episode, we'll have everything down there. And I hope you really did enjoy it. So if there's anything I can do better, please make sure to reach out. Uh, my email address, michael.raziel1 at gmail. Please make sure to check me out on LinkedIn, uh, on Instagram, and, and just reach out because I'm willing to answer any questions. And hey, if you got a cool story, I'd love to have you on as well. So thank you so much. Sincerely appreciate it. And I hope you make it a wonderful day.